at it again with the Blue Testament crew here for another Shades of Blue soccer show. And it's a wet studio this evening. <laughs> Four wins in a row. We got drinks flowing. We've already taken shots. Everyone is all pumped up. 12 points in a row here. Um, so let's go to Thad to disappoint everyone. <laughs> ouch, why Cody, ouch. Why, tell us why we shouldn't be happy about four wins in a row. I'm sure you have something. Because there are four bad teams. Mediocre at best. Okay, well, we're going to address that later. But we, we have a special guest on the pod. You might recognize his voice. We have Zachary Cobb with us. How is it going, team? Thank you for having me here. This is this is a pretty nice setup. I got it. You can't see it because you know this is you know it's audio. But you know some drinks in here, some comfy chairs. It's a real live radio station. Yeah, I am. I am very happy to be here. Happy I was invited. Yeah, don't let don't let the uh, look of the pod fool you, or don't <laughs> let the look of the blog fool you. We're uh, this is a legit setup we got here. And you go by Zachary. Hey, whatever you want to call me. I threw out Zachary. You know, people have called me a lot of things over the years, so uh-huh. I'll, I'll take Zachary. It's one of the That's kinder fine. ones, okay. <laughs> so, yes, you may recognize the voice. I, the first, honestly, one of the first podcasts I ever listened to extensively. I, I didn't I didn't do podcasts back in the day, but I listened to Kick the Ball pretty hard. We had a lot of fun with Kick the Ball. I missed doing it. Uh, James Starrett and... And and Laura and we kind of had a roving cast of characters and Charles Gooch was in on that and uh, yeah those were really fun times uh, during a you know a fun time uh, with sporting Kansas City and with soccer in general so uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that quality podcasts have kind of taken its place um, yeah. after it fell out we got a little bit too busy and this is definitely one of them so hey Zach we like to piss Cody off sometimes <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry but we're gonna go off the script here maybe and, and <laughs> is this a time we should uh, give our uh, you know, notices of Ron Newman and our respects. Yeah. Yeah. We should. We were talking about times of sporting past. Okay. Thad and Zach probably had the most experience with Mr. Newman. I don't have any. You don't have any? No. You weren't around then? I mean, I knew of him. I never met him personally. No, I love Ron as, I mean, I, I didn't interact with him that much. I was just a fan back then, but mm-hmm. they had like, a, you know, like a coaching talks type of thing. And he was just really fun. He was animated. He was always – he made the game enjoyable. You know, back then the league really was the Wild West, and he really kind of epitomized that as a coach. You never knew what MLS was going to bring to the table any given day, and you never knew what that guy was going to bring to the table at any given day. And and I thought that was really cool. And, and you know, I'm I was pleasantly surprised – at um, how many people were talking about him uh, in his passing and what he meant to a lot of different segments of soccer in this country and in other places. And I just thought that was delightful. And uh, I was glad. I'm glad those conversations are happening for a lot of people who who aren't aware. Yeah. And I want to kind of continue to add on that because uh, he was in he's he was voted into the Hall of Fame, Soccer Hall of Fame in 92 before he even coached Kansas City, uh, before MLS existed. And that was because he everywhere he coached when he was like at Tampa Bay and San Diego and Dallas, 
he helped start youth clubs and youth leagues. And all of those places now are hotbeds of soccer, Florida, Texas, Southern California. Not that he was solely the, the responsibility of all that, but he was a big contributor for all of those places doing well at soccer today. So that's why he meant a lot. You know, people say he meant a lot to soccer in the United States, and he really did. And it's one of those reality checks where you see, like, how this league has grown up. It's like some of its original people are, are passing on. It's kind of every now and then there's these weird little signposts that show um, spans of time of things that have happened. I felt like that was kind of one of those moments. Like, wow, this has been around for a while. Someone that was a part of that in the beginning is is not with us any longer. It's kind of like, you know, you see things like, you know, Bunbury as a child, you know, his, his, his father played in the league. There's different things that happen that's kind of funny that make you look at the broad picture of what's happening with uh, MLS and with soccer in general. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting to take that broad view sometimes because we get so locked up in what's happening in the now. So, Yeah, and I, I want to say he's the only, the second Kansas City person who's passed away so far. If there's been another one, I can't think of who that was. Um, but uh, Uche Okafor. Right, that's the other one I was thinking of, yeah. Okay. From the 90s, um, and he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, some tragic stuff there, but... Yeah. Um, I think he's. They're the only two that have passed away from the Kansas City franchise so far. Which hopefully that's it. Besides uh, Cliff, obviously. Neil. Neil. Yeah. Neil. Did I say yeah. Cliff? Oh, Neil. I'm sorry. Gosh. Yeah. Sorry, Cliff. <laughs> yeah. Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lamar, so, and, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I meant actually with you know with Makes the teams. Right. Right. So was it a coup for uh, Hunt to get Ron Newman when we started the franchise back in '96? I would say so because uh, he was already a really well recognized coach. Uh, He'd done really well everywhere he'd, he'd been a coach. I mean, what was his final record? Like 750 to 250 and soccer. Yeah. I forget the exact number, but it was something like that. But that wasn't just with indoor. That was right. with the old NASL in a couple different places. Uh, and you can go back and look at some of the stories with him about how he coached there. Uh, he was coaching somebody in LA and they, he wasn't even getting paid. He just kept coaching them because they needed somebody hmm. to help coach. Um, <laughs> The story about when uh, he was in Tampa Bay and the teams were just getting blown out for the first couple, three, four games, and they put him in a coffin and they drug the coffin out in the middle of the field before a game, and he popped out of it saying, "We're not dead yet," and then, <laughs> and then they won amazing. that game and went on a roll. That's amazing. All right, well, hey, I'm glad we brought that up. Don't want to uh, stay too long, but I'm already impressed with Zachary here with Bunbury the Child. That's just gonna that's gonna stick with me. <laughs> Bunbury the Child. Okay. Bunbury the Child. <laughs> and now he has a child. Right. Yeah. I guess that's how it works. <laughs> All right, should we quickly rehash the Minnesota game? Yes, let's do it. Crase and. Um, Rubio again, <laughs> almost forgot. Uh, yes, uh, Crosse seems to be. Uh, I thought we weren't bringing up Crosse, but I know, I know. Early. Okay, quickly, all right. Quickly, Crosse seems to be winning some more people over. It seemed like I'm going to call that <laughs> goal a little fortunate. His his touch was way farther than he wanted to. It was nice. But it was still one of those you see him do that exact play all the time, except that touch goes way farther <laughs> away from him. That one, but you know, that hey, that worked out. It was very good. And hell yes, Rubio, keeping it rolling. That makes me so happy. Way over expected goals. Yeah. <laughs> makes me happy, uh, even though it took him, he had to wait until we signed, until uh, they signed 
Nemeth to do it. <laughs> and so, I mean, whatever. As long as, as long as it's happening, I'm happy. Whatever gets us there. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, staying on the field, that's for sure. Yeah, it's kind of funny. The uh, number nine that Kansas City had been looking for the entire time had been sitting on the bench. It was there all along. <laughs> you know, I really hate it when people are like, we didn't win that game. The other team lost the game. Like, I hate it when people say that, but I, I kind of felt like that today. And, and hey, you got to win the games. You got to get the points. It's, 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 you know, there's no reason drilling down too much. I mean, when you win in this league, you win. But um, I think the player of this game was Bobby Shuttleworth. <laughs> yeah, Can we talk about how, like, I'm only 10% joking where it's like, is Bobby Shuttleworth okay? Yeah. Is he doing okay? I I was that, I was the cross eye goal went was a foot to his right. <laughs> I was <laughs> right behind him in warm ups there, and the guy sent just like a what was supposed to be a goal kick to a guy in midfield to the the um O in sporting in the East stand, <laughs> and then I think I know who caught that ball. Uh, oh <laughs> yeah, man. That's, that's where uh, it, yeah my tickets are. It was like it was like amazing, and then at one point he sent one from the center. To that aisle, like really the tunnel where the players come out, like right about the point where the ref like takes that ball and they all walk out. And there's just like people standing around. They got like killed by that ball. You don't expect the ball to go there. So he was he was off in so many ways. And and both of those goals, I don't know if they had business going in. Now, hey, if they go in, they go in. But he was very, very bad. It was just they were just simple, straightforward goals. There there was nothing special about them. There were Shots that I would question Melia if he didn't save them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now I gotta always be the contrarian here, I guess. But yeah, even when we're talking bad, then you're gonna come in with a positive. Yeah. Um, the goal that Croze scored was a little bit of a toe poke, so that's a little bit unexpected. So the goalie doesn't know where that's going, and Croze was what ten feet away from him when he hit that. So that's that would have to be a massively good reaction actually to get that. That I'm going to have to concur with you. Maybe he could have come out a little bit differently, but he had two defenders. Croze had two defenders on him. So I'm not going to give Shuttleworth crap on that one. I I know a lot of people have said he had a terrible game. I saw him make a couple of decent saves in the game. That Croze one I'm not going to blame him for. The Rubio one kind of went against the grain also. His momentum was definitely going the other way. So I'm – I know he's not the greatest keeper in the world, and quite honestly, five minutes into the game, I was already cussing him because he was uh, already delaying the game at that point. The one ball went rolling down there, should have rolled out and being restarted up the field, and he stopped it so that it just set in the box, and he's like, hey, there's a ball sitting here. I'm like, he did yeah. that thing where at one point he came around, just hung out like in back of the goal for no reason. <laughs> like he comes around at a time where he like didn't have to. Trying amazing. to hide ever mm-hmm. so slightly. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're talking about goalkeepers, okay. Everybody's talking about Amelia after the game. I thought most of his saves were pretty ordinary. Did I miss something? Oh, Bob, you're going to be on my side here with yeah. the, the keeper argument? Yeah. He had one really good save. Did one. he? Which one was that? There was one um, that I remember. It was a kick save. Somebody from close range. That's the kind of save that you were that Shuttleworth could have possibly made. Yeah. Except it wasn't that close. So, okay. uh, but he he did kind of a kick save. I think that was the one that was maybe I don't know. Is, is it up for anything? Well, when you're doing the recap and you're kind of typing and not really paying attention, you miss little things sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> I was just I, wondering. I thought towards the end. Towards the end of the game, he was tested a lot and yeah. came up a lot. Before that, I mean, before like the 80th minute, exactly, the, he was not needed a lot. Yeah, they had. I looked up at the scoreboard and they had like the same number of shots at one point, but I didn't feel like they had even had one real look on goal that to that point. I will go back and give him credit for that kick save at the end of the first half, when that whole mess occurred. That 
you know what, Espinosa and Sinovic almost cleared each other out on the goal line. But he made a kick save oh. before that. That was a nice save. That was so yeah. awkward. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that was like amazing. <laughs> Sporting Codger was like, what are you doing? It's like, what's happening? <laughs> See, that could have easily been a goal. Absolutely. And that could have easily been a completely different game at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Minnesota was already time-wasting hard. And the ref wasn't doing much of anything about it. He did a lot of talking. Not a much not much uh, refereeing. And Minnesota had two, maybe three chances that they just absolutely should have put in. Um, there was, you know, especially one that was on the north end. I can't remember who shot it, but it definitely wasn't, um, it definitely was not a great performance. And sometimes that happens. I, I think it's nice that this is a game that the older sporting teams lose or best case scenario tie, and now they're winning those games. So that's promising. Um and sporting's just never been that team that like stomps on bad teams, and, and I mean it doesn't happen a lot in MLS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not really a thing that happens in MLS a lot, but sporting's always been that team that'll like beat the best team in the league and come back and just like struggle exactly. against someone that's garbage. We talk about we talk about that all the time on this show. It it just seems like clockwork. They tend to do that. Okay, is that just soccer? Because it seems like every team I've coached, every team I've been a fan of is that way. (laughs) I don't know. I I think a lot of fans just see that about their teams anyway, but I do think sporting has been like that quite a lot. And everybody's talking about this last game. This is the the positive that I take out of it, is it was a trap game, okay? Minnesota didn't have a lot of their players. They bad team on the road against a team that's, you know, hot. And that was a traditional game that sporting would have faltered a little bit in, or a lot. And they didn't. So they got past that trap. Well, Ike made the point after the game that things just seem to be going our way right now, and maybe that's some of it too. So, you know, there's that factor. Well, it's, I know, um, you know, the question everybody asks players and coaches after the game is, what's different now? Why is the defense, you know, four shutouts in a row and all that stuff? And Vermees' answer is, well, everybody's healthy now. Beasler's answer is, nothing's changed. Well, everybody's just, you know, the ball is not going in the net, and it's just – it's just been better that way. And is that an imitation of, yeah. of, of <laughs> Beezer that better? Okay. We're going to spend the rest of the show. We're all going to be assigned players. We're going to have to sound like them. Uh, yeah, who gets so. Johan? <laughs> oh, jeez. I want to know who gets Diego, too, because he like, talks a little high and kind of fast. <laughs> who gets Arrela and Colin? <laughs> okay. Um, that, I think at one point... Not long ago, you asked if this team will have anyone that goes 10 and 10 on assists and goals. Maybe that was Bob. Just <laughs> no, no, I'm just cheering that. the idea. Cause... Well, yes, and now I think that was only like two games ago, and it's looking like we have two candidates for it. Allie and I bet or talked about Shaoli and Russell. I don't know if she said that, but I did. And but... they're both within a couple of each of those, right? Yeah, actually, seven and seven and eight and eight is that what it is? But they're both leaving. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, good for them. But one of the things that really impresses me about this team at this point is you have Russell's eight and eight, Shallowy's seven and seven. Um, somebody else is like six and five or five and you know, almost every single player has almost an equal amount of goals and assists within one, with two exceptions. Felipe Gutierrez and Roger Espinosa. <laughs> Gutierrez has five goals and no assists which is amazing. pretty weird for a guy who's supposed to be a 10. And then Espinoza, who a guy is supposed to be the hard-nosed, rough, number eight tackling guy who has so many nice assists. Yep. And yet still, some people will still say that he's uh, 
isn't a good creator or he can't he can't do anything in the final third. Espinosa is super polarizing, right? What? Why? Why is he yeah. polar? What is polarizing about it? It's definitely I know. a thing. You, like it doesn't matter. There's always somebody on Reddit or the Cauldron Facebook page that has something bad to say about Espinoza. Espinoza should be sitting and yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know when Espinoza has had has actually had kind of some bad swings. Um, somebody inside the team told me a lot about how he does a really good job of bringing in a lot of um, kind of like traditionally Spanish speaking players. And helping them along, and right, like really, like bonding with those players and helping forming them to the team. That's been a thing for as long as he's been there. Oh yeah, definitely. and that he's definitely one of those glue guys in the locker room for, for folks that are on, you know, coming in from more of a foreign place. Quite literally, uh, I've always found that interesting. But not just for players from foreign, but um, talking to the the homegrown guys this year. Like, you know, um, talking with to the Lindsay, young guys. thinking like, you know, hey, has Zussi been a great mentor for you? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, Roger has been. Yeah. You know, Kazane. Oh, yeah. Da, da, uh, his Ilya. Well, yeah, Ilya has been really great. And Roger has been really great. Mm-hmm. And it's every mm-hmm. one of them you talk to says Roger, Roger. You know, they might say two or three other players, but they always say Roger about how he's such a good mentor to them and showing them what to do and helping them. Roger's personality, I think, is very underappreciated. In this organization, because when you think about these personalities, you know, a lot of people loved Kai. A lot of people love, you know, love Dom Dwyer. There's all these outgoing guys. Roger's actually very funny. (laughs) And it's kind of like this underappreciated thing. He's honestly like a big personality in the locker room. But, you know, he's not the guy that's out there on social media. and He doesn't do ridiculous things that make good YouTube videos. So he's kind of underappreciated in that aspect. But I think um, I think he's definitely one of those locker room glue guys that in that sense is underappreciated yeah it's it's wild like just knowing his re- red card roger is his reputation on the exactly field. that's what i was gonna bring and up just yeah. so many of the guys in this league that have to think or and, and at least fans of other teams that must just think the worst of him and he's just truly like as you just said he's weird and like funny and like i've seen him do some inappropriate things in the locker room that's just you know what i mean like he is he's just like that funny that funny guy so you know when pinnacle first opened i was doing a little video of him working out because that's what they were doing that day and, and he was the one you know hamming up to the camera you know and things like that but uh roger like you said has that reputation and it's so cool that we do what we do because we get to see the difference between that reputation and how they are on the field as opposed to how they're in the locker room like russell i mean he's a he's a bulldog on the field but he's a great guy off the field he's you know I, I don't know what you want to call him. I don't want to sound too female here, but you know he's a really <laughs> nice guy. You know, so uh, so it's, it's fortunate we get to see these sides of the guys that other people don't. Have another drink, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, one, one more thing on Roger. I saw when Nemo arrived, they released that video of his like you know him arriving at Pinnacle, and Roger made an appearance. And he like comes around the corner and he's like. He's like he was like excited to see him like hey man what's going on you don't have your stuff on like get your stuff on let's go practice like he was like we gotta he was like just training we gotta go let's go <laughs> well the thing I thought about with that why is he wearing Nike when MLS oh, is all that, Adidas yeah. what's up with that what are you doing I'm Christian? sure I'm sure he got some feedback on that they don't have to wear Adidas and they're off time okay <laughs> and they do get to wear Nike shoes. Uh, and I'm going to throw another one in on Roger. Um, I got to help with a photo shoot recently. The, he's His space is going to be in a magazine coming up, KC Home and Style. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but oh, cool. sometime, sometime in the next month or two. Mm-hmm. They've done um, Dwyer and Sidney LaRue last year. I get year, criticized for ago. talking about Russell. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, it was just you being 
you you were talking about being female. I'm not worried about <laughs> you're it. You're talking about his space and his style. So okay. No, that's the name of the magazine. Um, and they did Beesler a couple years ago. Um, so I got to help on that. And I, whenever I would go to do these things, I always like try to let them know that I'm going to be there because if they are uncomfortable with me being one of the people there or something, they could say no, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but Roger was just the nicest, funniest, easiest to work with person that we've shot for stuff. So it, I guess if we're doing inside baseball Rogers stories, there was one time I was yes. I was walking somewhere. I went. I it was this was out downtown. I was walking. Um, by a restaurant, there was like patio seating and, and Roger was out there, you know, eating with somebody. And so I just kind of nodded and passed because, you know, I'm, I don't like to bother people while they're out doing their thing. It's not really my deal. And then next time I saw him, he goes, Hey, you walked right by. You didn't even say hi. <laughs> you didn't awesome. even say hi. I was like, man, I don't like to buy. He's like, he's like, it was almost rude. I was like, <laughs> okay, well, you know, you can't, can't win in this thing. But I, I thought that was kind of neat. That is, yeah, he he kind of cool. did the same thing when he was down watching one of the uh, FC Kansas City games one day. I'm walking by and I just like kind of nodded and kept on going. And then he start. He's like, "Hey!" And him and Jimmy Madranda talked to me for like 20 minutes about yeah. different things. And yeah, totally so unrelated fun. to sporting. Fun team. All right. Um, we never get sidetracked. How about, never. How about everyone's favorite subject on this podcast: the sporting Kansas City striker situation. What's the, the striker debate? Who should be striker next? Is it a debate? I know, right? Are we closing it? Is it is is this the debate finally winding down? Um, who in the last few weeks has been saying that I'm not sure that Nemo is going to be the answer, and it turns out that I was right. It's Rubio. <laughs> that also, never misses an opportunity to show that he's so right. You were <laughs> that guy, is what you were saying. <laughs> Oh, everybody had talked about how Nemo was going to be the answer, and he so far hasn't done I know he needs to get sporting fit in order to play more, but right now, even if he was sporting fit, he hasn't shown enough on the field to supplant Diego. I do have a feeling that he's going to have to come in and get some time, and Diego is probably not going to play 70 minutes of every game from now on, but Diego's stepped up, man. Well, after this game, I think Nemeth is probably going to end up on the wing with Shaoli and uh, Russell being out. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was like hoping this would go eventually. Is is there a point where Rubio does that well that Nemeth goes back over onto the wing where he probably doesn't want to be as much? And just to make that clear, Russell and Shallowy were both called up to the national team for the UEFA Nations League games in September, so they'll miss at least one game, maybe two. After and, Saturday. And there's a vacancy to be filled. Just in case people didn't get that news, I just wanted to have it. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. And while we're here, can we talk Gerso? Yeah. Okay. Again, we all love Gerso. We talked about that. He, he brings that speed, that dynamic. You know, he does some good stuff on the ball. But I was rewatching the first half before we came here. And his lack of a right foot is so frustrating. Well, man, he is just frustrating. I don't know if it's just <laughs> a lack of a right foot, but he always, it frustrates me to no end. Yeah, I mean, he cut in a couple of times. He could have taken a shot with his right foot or passed the ball with his right foot, but he passes it up every time and cuts back or does something different so he can get on his left or lose the ball. He's tough because he gets you super excited because he puts himself in positions for amazing success. And sometimes that success comes, but generally (laughs) generally Generally. it doesn't. And, and, you know, he's he's always crashed on those other teams. I mean, he he makes teams – you know, concerned and kind of breaks him down and dangerous, but it, it doesn't always lead to anything. And he's always, 
you know, uh, he's always kind of breaking into that box, but then it all just, it kind of fades away. So, I mean, it kind of feels like, you know, like kind of like when Blessing used to come in and be like, he's here <laughs> and he's creating chaos and chaos is a thing, but is, it is. but is chaos getting us what we want right. sometimes? Yes, but generally no. Well, this may be a little out there, but if I'm the other team, I let Gerso, I don't even mark him out wide. I let him come in because he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't have that right foot. I just let him come mm-hmm. in. I don't, I don't spread my defense out and open up gaps to mark him out wide. And when that happened a couple games ago, he scored. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> he? He he cuts off his own angles a lot. Well, he does. Yeah, I will say that. He, he causes a lot of deep breathing because when he takes off yeah. so fast, everybody goes, <gasps> and then yeah. he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So what I'm getting to is I wouldn't mind seeing a, uh, obviously it's going to have to be Gerso, probably Rubio, Namath lineup up front with Russell and Shaoli gone. But... Um, you know, eventually, is Namath going to overtake Gerso, perhaps, and bring Gerso in late? I don't know. Is that a better or, formula? Or, if you recall, we were talking a lot. Yeah, there you go. Thad knows where I'm going. We were talking a lot of crap on, on Gerso just then, but the one time that it did all come together last year yeah. was against Seattle. Mm, was it? Okay. In which he scored a hat trick. Okay. And then I don't think scored <laughs> again the whole year. I don't no, true, but he also got hurt not too long after that, and he, I don't think he ever recovered from that completely. Shoulder, but yeah. point number two I would like to add on to that was when Gerso was most effective last year, he was on the right, not the left. With Russell on the right, uh, Peters went more this year with guys, uh, instead of being the opposite what you would expect them to cut in, they they went with them being more traditional wingers. I think that's maybe because they had Shelton and trying to get people to spread out a little bit. But if you have Nemo, maybe he goes to the left. Gerso goes back to the right. Now Gerso's cutting in, and he has the left foot to take could the be. shot. Yeah, yeah, could be. Because it's, it's harder to shoot with the left from the left side. I mean, it happens, obviously, but it's more of a crossing situation. And n- very few of the players have the speed to catch up to him, so he has to hold it up. And that's when he gets in trouble. If he, if you had somebody going along with him, that might be a little bit different. But nobody else really has that speed that's out there right now. And of course, another factor is well, Shelton's back in training. How long is it before he's back? So we'll see. Options, something good to have. Something they haven't had plenty of in the past. And, and I mean, I, I gotta say, with the with the constraints of MLS salaries and budgets and, and caps and all of that, to have this much depth and this many options for an MLS team, I think, is incredible. It's it's just incredible to me. Um, the, the things they're able to do and to withstand, maybe if some injuries happen, like we have some call-ups. You know, we have some call-ups, and it's not, you know, dooming us to, to be awful, which is nice. Well, credit to Vermees. Credit to the owners, they have opened the pop- pocketbook up a little bit, yeah. you know, but they've done it conscientiously, which, you know, is the sporting way. And yes. they've done it well. Which again... To I'm... the frustration of many fans, but yes, they've done, <laughs> it, they've done it responsibly. I would always like to point out that it's always said that the owners are more willing to spend than Vermees is. So yeah. when we say the owners opened up their pocketbook, they've opened up their pocketbook for quite yeah. a long time, and Vermees is unwilling to overspend, and what do you think he needs to do? So I just always try to point that out. <laughs> 
people blame the owners all the time for being I, cheap. I'm just having this like visualization of like if the FIFA transfer market was like a literal place and like Vermees just walking up to it with like a Groupon <laughs> 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 or with like some kind of like be like, do you guys match internet prices? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I work at Dick's Sporting Goods. I get that every day. I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure you're accurate, man. Yeah. If you look at a lot of his best moves, it's been guys coming on freeze. Um, Felipe Gutierrez, yeah. they didn't expect to get him, and all of a sudden, boom, he was available. So they took him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's he spent a lot of money." Well, he didn't have to spend it on the transfer fee either. So yeah. Groupon for free transfers uh, <laughs> can only be used at Barcelona B <laughs> right. or Portugal. <laughs> All right. Well, again, Cody, I'm sorry to hear, but, you know, this kind of goes into my is or isn't kind of what we're talking about and, and stuff. I don't know. I don't want to throw you off. Go for it. All right. Well, I'm going to throw out an idea here that you all may go, huh? Throw him off. Okay. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, Mr. Uh, Felipe Gutierrez, and we know he got subbed off at halftime last match, and Carl Zay come in, did what he did. Um, and, you know, I have some theories on this myself. But is, This was next on my list anyway. So. Is Felipe Gutierrez is coming back into the team and not finding his form, is that kind of a disruptive factor right now? And could it be, or isn't it? No. Four, four straight shutouts. Look at wins. that no right no, away. It isn't. Four straight shutouts. It's weird, it's weird to say that uh, there's, there's a problem there. Okay. That's Cody's take. Anybody else? Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, it, it it my view of Gutierrez is that, you know, he he has not come back at his best. And um and while I don't think he's done bad, I think he's done kind of what we've needed, but we haven't had that special thing that he brought to the table almost in- instantly. Now, my usually being a positive person, my view on that is that sporting has another gear. And if he can get to that other gear, then Sporting has another gear. And then that's a very scary team. Now, with Crozé coming on and doing what he did, that's very eye-opening. I mean, you have that thing where it's like Gutierrez, the guy who's who's mainly kind of like picking out very specific things and, and trying to, to, you know, really kind of manufacture this um, this danger where Crozé's is like, I'm going to run there. Okay? I'm going to run there. I'm going to have the ball. I might have the ball. I might not. I might lose it. That's okay. If I lose it, it's fine. But I'm going to run at you guys, and it's going to get wild. And sometimes your shots are going to be off, but then sometimes they're just going to go in the back of your net and do whatever you're going to do because I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It's such like a different yeah. – it's it's such an interesting different approach. And, and thinking about this today kind of made me think of sporting like over time over the years where it's like in the early – um, Livestrong Sporting Park days and the Livestrong days. Ah, good you know, we, we got crap for being this like these like hack, like fouling, like too aggressive physical team. And and you know, there's some uh, that checks out um, for a while and, there. And yeah, then, for sure. and then we really kind of yeah, absolutely. And then we kind of wanted to go like big time, like truth. yeah, we kind of <laughs> wanted to go more finesse a little bit during like the woebegone like. Igor Juliao days right, where it's right. like we're gonna go more finesse with this and and now I see this current team as like the the mixing of like both of those qualities right. these guys can grind these guys can, are tough with you but then they can put together a nice series of passes or some beautiful shots or whatever and and when thinking about Gutierrez and Corze I, I, I kind of thought about those two worlds and how while Gutierrez isn't like a grind or anything but it's definitely like 
Crozet feels like that kind of like wild, chaotic oh, thing. Oh, yes, definitely. And, and Gutierrez feels like, you know, I'm going to do something kind of special. And mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I, I know for these uh, podcasts, I'm supposed to be like, yes or no. But <laughs> I, I think about this often and I don't know where I come down. I'm, I'm definitely, um, you know, we were kind of talking before this about, you know, how good is sporting right now? You know, Thad mentioned before the show, you know, I don't think they're out of the slump. And a lot of people are really high right now. I kind of have in the back of my head, I had an old coach that always says, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. Was that Peter Vermees? <laughs> yeah, is that something good Peter was game. It's exactly, yeah, that that's was, exactly That was an old Blue Springs Mike Spots Thing. Springs football. Mike huh? Spots? Yeah, that was an old, yeah. <laughs> I know Mike Spots. I know, right? Yeah, he's the character. Um, That was an old kind of, it's like you're never as good as you think you are or bad as, as bad as you think you are. And, and I think about that with sporting. I, you know, I never thought they were as bad as other people thought they were. But what are they now? I, well, you, you said it a second ago earlier. When I was preparing mentally for the podcast today, that was exactly what you said, another gear. And that's like, that's why I am so high on this team right now. Not because it's like, oh, everything's working so perfectly and, you know, the defense is impenetrable, but just because it seems to me like there is clearly another gear that they have yet to find. I'm not convinced they're living their best life. Yeah. (laughs) I think think Gutierrez obviously has has another level to find. I think Kraze is going to continue to, like, contribute more than people are expecting. Team Uh, Johan, man. Yeah, (laughs) Kraze has a lot to offer. And then also, I know, I mean, well, Russell had two assists in the last game. But also don't forget, like, he is capable of whipping out a brace or a hat trick at some point in there as well. Like there there is just a it seems to me that's why I'm so high, is that there's another gear for these guys to find. Well that kind of correlates with the real reason I brought up this original this statement to this subject anyway, is I was watching first half from the press box next to Ali um Saturday night, and we had two triangles working. We had the Roger Zuzi Russell triangle. Okay, think about that. And then He's we drawing had, on the table, you guys. And then we it. had the Gutierrez Gerso Sinovic triangle. Think about that. Are these athletic soccer triangles or love triangles? <laughs> <laughs> just... These are how the team was playing. Okay, go as on. far as if hinge you're... points being, you know, Felipe and hinge points being Roger. Mm-hmm. Here is I'm watching Felipe Sinovic. There was a moment I rewatched it tonight where he had a chance to penetrate offensively, but instead he ends up dribbling back and dribbling back and passing the ball back to Melia. And numerous times I saw Gutierrez's body language and reaction like, what is this guy doing? And there was a couple of times when Seth was supposed to be somewhere and Gutierrez had to point to him where to go. And then you got Gerso, which we talked about earlier, passing up his, he can't do anything with his left foot, he's limited, I think Mr. Gutierrez is frustrated playing with those guys in some ways. We'll change that dynamic, put Shaoli there. Obviously, Madronda's not going to happen at left back, but do that. And then you've got a triangle that might be even better than the Russell Espinosa Zuzi triangle. Okay. Or at least much more equal. I think Gutierrez is a little frustrated. I get that. That's fair. But also, could part of that still be a guy just like working his way back in? You know, he was out and didn't play with those two as much as maybe some others and it just might I don't think they see the game the same way Felipe does. I, I believe wholeheartedly yeah. Sasanovic yeah. does not see the same game <laughs> yeah. Felipe Gutierrez. And it could also be this. Gutierrez is a little frustrated with the game plan. He's playing along with it, 
But he, he feels limited by it. Just a thought. Just I'd throw it that way. Well, I'm not sure about that because yeah. at half, the reason Vermees gave the... Uh, no, I'm not defending Gutierrez. He wasn't good. First the time. reasoning that Vermees gave for taking him off it was that he wasn't penetrating the box, right? Right, right. Which is exactly what he did in those first few games. That's right. where he was scoring a ton of goals. He was dangerous as heck. He kept penetrating the box, which we've actually had a discussion on a previous podcast, Zach, about how mm-hmm. that may have caused some of the defensive woes as he was penetrating too much. Yeah, I leaving mean, a gap behind. You know, you're you're it's it's there's so much give and take yeah. in so many ways. It's it's kind of interesting. But with Croiset, he told him to be much more direct and go forward, and that was the goal. He was direct and went forward. But point, counterpoint. Vermees also said, and it was in response to Daniel Sperry's question, Sperry talked about how, okay, Zuzi and Sinovic's going to be pinching in more. And Peter was like, oh, yeah, you noticed that. Was that Gutierrez kind of saying, okay, Seth, it's supposed to be your job according to the game plan. Hmm. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't You know what I'm saying? Well, and I'm not sure where you're going with that because – he was following the game plan. He was pinched in. Yeah, and, right. But and in he the was trying half, to instruct Sonovic to do that, and Sonovic kept passing back or forward oftentimes. Yeah, it well, took three long-distance shots. It, but. It's it's always going to be part of Sporting's game plan. I shouldn't say always, but very often it's going to be part of Sporting's game plan is to take the ball up one side, bring it back to the middle, bring it back to the other side, bring it back to the well, middle, sure. bring it back to the other side. A quick movement, sure. Because they believe that any team that's bunkering or slightly defensive postured they will be able to suck somebody out of position at that sure, point. And then sure. it's then it's up to somebody to choose when that is. I was frustrated with Seth in the first half because he took three freaking shots. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One was close. I, I, I love that. Seth and he's yes. uh, he's an awesome guy and you know Cody. I, I, I mentioned that on Twitter. I said I kinda said, you know what, Seth, I'm gonna give you those first two shots. That third, pass that. <laughs> I know it, He's such a, he's he's such a solid defender. He's not going to be spectacular at almost anything, and he's scored a couple of big goals in his life. But three shots from the left back who scores a goal right. every couple of years. They, they they were in a weird spot though, where they were also starting to get frustrated by what was impressive to me in that Minnesota defense. I mean, they were they were keeping compact, obviously. You know, we we can say whatever about the the style of an MLS team that comes that's kind of outmatched and how they try to deal with that. But you know, a lot of those guys are relegated to crappy shots if they were shots at all. And so I guess Seth was just trying to make something happen. Now, while we're talking about Seth, only semi-related, but I thought you know my guy Sam McDowell did a really neat article um, about Seth and how he's been here for so long, and they keep trying to get his replacements, and Seth Sinovic's still here, yeah. for better or for worse. I know. Um, our guy Seth is still here, so I thought that was a pretty neat read, um, and I would recommend that from the start. Oh, I, got, I definitely have a soft spot for Seth. It, oh, makes, yeah. it makes me happy. Kansas City guy, I like it. Yeah, and, and again, don't get me wrong, that wasn't criticism of oh, Seth. Oh, yeah, you're not like a Seth that. hater, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, if if uh, Jimmy Madranda was healthy, I'd probably be arguing for him to start. Uh, thank you. Okay. But, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm with you. But yeah. we've also talked before that it's it would be a great scenario to have Jimmy Madranda and Seth there because then you can alternate depending on what kind of team you're playing. I, I am guilty right now. I am guilty this year of not appreciating – Jimmy Madranda enough until he wasn't around. Hey, I'm with you. I don't think I fully understood. No, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's my guy. Jimmy's and, had and a hell I of a season. Like, too high on I, 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 I wasn't like against him. I wasn't like, oh, Jimmy Madranda, I don't like this. But right. but but I thought he was more of a. I I I I don't think I appreciated his positive force. I thought he was a player that was in there doing his role, 
Yeah. But well, we that's that's how we started. Yeah, we started the season on that. That in one of our first pods, we were I was like, I, I'm as big of a Jimmy fan as, as exists on this planet, and it was we were talking about how it, you know maybe we've kind of found his ceiling at the beginning of the year, and then all of a sudden he was rejuvenated. Well, that's the thing. He's never had this good of a season. Yeah, never. And now that he has, well, awesome. Yeah, and we miss him. I, I wouldn't even say that he's never had that good of a season. Yeah, I guess you could say that, but he played left back before. He was really good. A lot of people said he wasn't because he had one moment where he's beat twice in a game. Um, okay, let's just let's just get out in front of this. A lot of people say the internet's garbage. <laughs> okay, and a lot hey, of people. And hey, internet. man, I live there. It's it's fine. I'm there. I am the king. I mean. Uh, you, know, let's, you, you never trash talk. Uh, no, never. <laughs> no, I. You know, it's it is it is very interesting though to see the the contrast of what happens on the field and what a lot of fans take away from games, or when they get really sucked into this belief of whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever it may be, and how that stubbornly sticks through. Like and, Roger Espinosa, like we were, yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. That's definitely one or of Johan them. Jose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 pretty incredible. And I mean, hey, man, I love the sporting community, but sometimes people are just wrong. <laughs> yeah. So on, yeah, but that's the fun of it. Come yeah, on. Yeah, and you're right when I'm saying a lot of people say or they, but it it still comes down to we sit here and we have disagreements on this podcast yeah. about players and all, stuff all the time. So people do have different opinions, and they bring differing levels of uh, observation to the game. Some are more experienced and knowledgeable. Some are more drunk. Some are just <laughs> stupid. Um, you just described all of ours on this podcast. <laughs> wow. But even with when you get to professional coaches, I mean, one coach doesn't want to start a player and he goes to another team. I mean, Seth was a cast-off from friggin' New England. New England, yeah. yeah. Okay? And look how long he played here. Uh, Nemo couldn't get any time in New England. God, New England must suck. Uh, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Bunbury's Confirmed. doing well there. Can independently confirm. Yeah, mm. And not to take this off too much, but you're talking about coaching, bringing players in, and opinions. And I've been watching on Amazon the Manchester you know, yes! uh, the Manchester City, I'm sorry, documentary. It's just I fan- haven't picked that up yet. It's just fantastic. I, I don't love or dislike Manchester City totally neutral towards them. But, but tell, me, tell me watching Pep Guardiola behind the scenes is not just like... It is very cool and very enlightening. fascinating. To, uh, to learn about just the daily... Now, obviously, Obviously, that's a special team, but the daily dynamics of a team and, and just like that daily grind and that pressure and different players trying to bring things to the table and the coaching and how he wants to motivate these guys or get their minds right. I, I would recommend it as for anybody that's soccer. Well, and, and I watch it and like think about how different it is compared to MLS, like just how I, I, I'm, I'm comparing it to what I see in the Sporting KC guys. And it's just it is it's very it's very interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I have another is or isn't that isn't so serious. Can I use it real quick, Cody? Um, one. I have a question to pose everyone before we move on. Okay. So, let's just stri- so the game on Saturday. Do you would you start Crase or do you start Gutierrez? Pad. I'm gonna. It depends a little bit on what they know medically. If there's something else going on that we don't know about. Um, okay, that's fair. Or how Gutierrez responded to that, like you know. But I would probably lean towards Johan, and then bring Gutierrez in if Johan doesn't do anything. 
probably lean towards is way less optimistic than you've been the rest, like at least before we started. You were on hyperbole for Croze before we started recording. Yeah, but now you got to put me down to like an actual decision. So. Okay, okay. But I'm still saying Johan, you know, is the best player in MLS. <laughs> there it was. That's what we heard yeah, before okay, we started. <laughs> okay, Bob. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Felipe's. I'm not saying he has an attitude problem. I just think maybe he needs to. I don't know. Well, you that's know, what sitting him for the last thirty or forty-five minutes might say. Hey, you know, we need you to have a different mindset, not attitude, but mindset. So you're I'm a little hope- concerned about that. I say you start Felipe. Yeah, so because so he does the little things that Croze doesn't, and if Croze needs to come on and give us a boost like he did, let's do that. Well, you know, uh, Felipe's been noticing some things with your attitude, Bob. <laughs> and, and, he's, and he's not so impressed. So, uh, no, mindset, the, not yeah, attitude. Yeah, mindset. No, that, that, you know, that is really interesting what you brought up about. I, I think I'm going to have to get some eyes on that because it, it's not something I noticed. And I think that's the triangle with uh, those three. And... Well, mostly like his his kind of demeanor uh, towards frustrations yeah. a little okay. bit. And so, yeah, I'll check that out a little bit. I I would say, um, you know, I would say I am not a Croizet hater. I, I'm impressed by what he's brought to the table. I, I think we still bring in Gutierrez to start. I think I'm still hoping he kind of unlocks a little bit of that next level uh, magic that he brings to the table. But you know, I'm definitely in the 65th, 70th. 75th, yes. bringing on Johan. Bring him in and everyone will lose their minds. That energy is going to put other teams on their heels. Um, and, and I like that. And, and um, you know, looking forward, I, there's just so many different pieces and so many different places you can put them on this team. It is hard to digest sometimes. And and in what order? Not Not just where, but like in what order you use them. I mean, we've talked about this before, but... It's a beautiful problem to have if you're starting what you would expect to be the normal starting team and yes. have Croze, Nemo, Gerso uh, on the bench to yes. come in. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. All right, just real quick, is anybody questioning? Okay, why does Charlie not play at all? It was, was it simply rest or? There has been this interesting dynamic this year where these guys have looked like world beaters, but in different times and like sections of the season. So yep. G- Gutierrez started out just killing everybody. Yeah. He he kind of cools off, but mostly gets injured. And then Sa- uh, Sh- Shalwi had this moment where he was just killing everybody. Uh, Russell's had these moments where he's just killing everybody. Now, Russell, I think, has been more consistent. He's had some little tiny slumps, if you want to call him that. But I think Russell's been the consistent across the board more so. And then uh, now Rubio is having his moment in the sun. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of this funny thing where it's like somebody's going to be really hot, but... That's how it... I mean, that's what real teams do, man. Picking up the slack. So it's Ico Parra's turn. Oh, yeah. All right, well, that brings me right to this. Okay, guys, is or isn't Icopara a klutz? A klutz? Oh, that's that's (laughs) always been my thing with him. It's so great, so entirely unorthodox. Like, it doesn't look right ever. Again, I rewatched the first half before I came here. There was a moment where he meant to pass it back to Milia, but I think he klutzily, clumsily, instead of hitting the ball with the side of his foot, rolled over the top of it. And then rolled it backwards, and it ended up throwing off the guy who was marking him or pressuring him. And I went the other way, but it did not look smooth. It was completely awkward. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> and why he didn't that's, mean to do that's that. That's why I always say. That's why I always say he's an alien. There, there's just something he's not normal. It just he doesn't. It doesn't look normal. 
or he's just the greatest dribbler that you've ever seen and you were you were fooled like the opponents uh-huh. are yeah he, okay he's he's living in 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 uh in the future and you're just not quite there all yet. right he, okay. he reminds me there are of, other moments too but he reminds me of willie rofe with the chiefs when he was an offensive <laughs> lineman willie rofe was this big hulking guy had this huge upper body and had these legs that didn't quite fit they weren't like it's not enough legs for this man and you'd see him walking around the guy looked like he could barely walk it was weird he'd just lumber around and, and like if you saw him like out on the street be like are you okay man like do you need a hand like i don't want you to but but then he would get in and he'd be one of the best offensive linemen in the nfl and he'd just slide by and move his feet and he'd dominate these people I, I was thinking about this the other day. It kind of reminds me of that. Not that he's this big hulking guy, but sometimes he just looks like, like, man, are you doing okay? <laughs> but then he'll step up and just make some some perfectly timed tackle or some save yeah. or but perfectly timed. But it will look ridiculous. <laughs> okay, is this that's one, my thing? Like, is, is this one of those things where it's like the defender that like does something stupid but then looks amazing saving it? But it's like you didn't have to do that in the first place. Yeah. Well. Right. Yeah. Sporting's had those kind of guys a lot, though. Aurelian Collin. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Okay, uh, yeah. so you're talking about like who plays in what spots, but do we see Fontas come in here pretty soon? Well, he's going to need to get some time, sure. I Yeah, I mean, I saw him after the game. He was running sprints on the field with the rest of the reserves, but I don't know how close to fit he is. Yeah, Peter said he was pretty close to fit, but he just was wanting getting exposed to an MLS game. Well, it is like Peter, and I think most coaches think this, a new player's debut should always be on the road. I don't think it's going to be in Seattle, but unless usually that's what they do. Unless or they have a, a lead. Or a mop-up, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes at a home game maybe. But. Seattle, speaking of, yeah. let's move on. Okay. We're... Just like kick the ball to Chad Marshall's head, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're bringing to the table. That's all they've, That's always been their game plan. And – you know, I don't want to give anything away because, you know, it's annoying to have a podcast where it's like, we talked about all this beforehand, but I'm just going to say, um, <laughs> my buddy Thad may have had, may just as well have like a Seattle Sounders shirt on right now. He's just singing their praises. He might as well He's just you like, like, what the hell right He might now? as well just be just ECS Seattle. The name, just... the name Kurt Anolfo was mentioned before we started and that <laughs> real that, passionate, that had like fire coming out of his ears at one point. What's the connection between Kurt Ronalfo and Seattle? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh maybe we're I wasn't just, listening. We're oh, sorry. Yeah, apparently not. Um, <laughs> this is funny, Zach, because like, the team that I hate the most is Seattle. Okay, oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> but hating them doesn't mean that I don't see how they are playing. Okay, If you want to talk about who's going to win this game, and Cody was looking up the five. Ah, I'm not there yet. You want me to do it? Are we there yet? You got something to say? Say it first. <laughs> wow, that was like, if you got something to say. <laughs> say it. <laughs> I still hate Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and say what you want to say, Cody, so then I can say what I need to say about that. I had a transition, right? You just, you throwing off my game. Then don't bring the shit up. It's like an old, it's like an old married couple. Ouch. We are. We hey, are. Ali has said that numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> and Ali and I always exchange looks when these two go at it. Okay. Seattle we Sounders. argue while agreeing so many times. <laughs> Seattle Sounders, seven straight wins. They are now in a playoff position, finally, after another season of starting horribly. On a roll again. But 
I don't care how on a roll they are. There was, if you read my Blue Links article. Closer to the microphone, Cody. If you read my Blue Links article, they have some predictions up. Sporting Kansas City is at 72% to get that first round by everyone wants. They're at 2% to win the Supporters' Shield and 12% to win MLS Cup. 538 is legit, by the way. If you don't ever use that, it's a good source for all different... I only use it for the World Club team rankings. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Team Goat Herders? Mm -hmm. To to see where Goatberg is? Look, Goatborg is in the 400s now, and Sporting is 200, so they've been vanquished. Wow. Yeah. But but I'm going to add on this 538 thing about how they're legit. Talking about Sporting has won four straight games. Their their power index dropped after beating Minnesota. <laughs> That's how bad Sporting was in this last game. Ooh, but I'm just gonna have to say Minnesota, not a good team. I feel like this is Minnesota's fault. <laughs> but yes, five thirty eight's legit. Nate Silver, I have his book. It's a good book. You should check it out. Anyway, they have um, predictions for this upcoming the upcoming matches and for S E A V S K C. They have it's a twenty eight percent for a draw, twenty five percent for a Sporting Kansas City win, and forty eight for a Seattle win. I don't care if they're on eight wins in a row already or ten wins in a row. Sporting Kansas City is on four in a row. How are they? How are they at nearly twice the odds to win this game? And how many teams have we gone to and beaten at home? Atlanta, Portland, stop streaks. How many? You know. That's what I was gonna say. How many streaks have they ended? Yeah. That doesn't go into the calculation. If you look at two teams, you look at their goals scored, the goals given up, et cetera, et cetera, I understand why they have Seattle rated the higher chance to win that game. They're at home. I mean, so you how, many, how many other home games look like that? Look. I don't care what the nerds say. <laughs> look, look, the nerds and their calculators. Mm-hmm. Look, Toronto and LAFC. LAFC is a way better team than Toronto this year, and Toronto's like 58%, 56%. I can't see from here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, same kind of scenario. It, it is interesting to, it, you know, and I guess it's something I haven't thought about that much. It would be interesting to see numbers-wise what an MLS home advantage looks like compared to other sports. We talk about home advantages. A lot of times, you think about um, um, football um, in the NFL. I mean, it's it's hard to win on the road. Now, it's hard to win on the road in MLS too. But I would be interested to see if that advantage is similar. Now, obviously, um, a lot of different cities aren't much of an advantage. They may be a disadvantage. It's like, oh, we got to play in front of these people. Yeah, man, they're in a dark place. Um, Not as much. That's good. Yeah, not as much attendance wise. You know, it's a dark place, Orlando. Is it? It's in a very dark place. No, no, not attendance wise, just as a team. I started oh, thinking yes, about they that. Are. Well, as a fan and base too. It. Not yeah. the attendance, but the fan base. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, horrible, that, horrible. That, that Dude, fan base is being tested for the first could, time. Of... Could you imagine your rival? Your rival comes in. Their striker, <laughs> like, like gets a record, like a huge record, right in front of your supporters, and then just. And then just gives you the business. I was like, looks back at the keeper. No recovering from that. Oh, man. <laughs> and did they have like a TIFO or something saying that there's no, going to be no record set here or something? I mean, yeah, that sounds about have, right. Yeah. I didn't see it, but that sounds about oh, right. So they either had a TIFO or the, they tweeted out something about how there was going to be no record set in Orlando. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. 
<laughs> but now you, I'm looking at the stats, right, and kind of looking at some of these other games. Uh, but in fairness, if you look at this stat correctly, that's about a 50% chance for Sporting to get a result in Seattle where they've been winning seven straight games. So that's that's a 25% for a win, 28% for a tie. Yeah, that's 53. So that's not that bad when you look at it that way. If Sporting walks out of there with a draw, you're happy. Yes, I, I, I suppose I would be happy with that. You know, this is this is not very great analysis. I'm just gonna just gonna <laughs> throw this out there. But I just That's feel what like this show's all about. I just <laughs> feel like every time I watch Seattle, it's like maybe they get a result, maybe they don't, maybe they win. I, I just I am never impressed with them. I was like, I'm not impressed with anything you do. I don't think it's gonna be that scalable and I don't think that's you know, I joined that and really disliking Seattle, but I can I usually feel like I can look at a team and get a fair read on them and Hey, fair play to them. They're getting the results, and that's well, what matters. But Well, my real hatred of that team comes from how you were just saying Sporting used to have that reputation for being a bit thuggish. That was, Seattle was like the number one team and Real Salt Lake who would say that and then claim that they were on a pedestal of being a more creative and beautiful playing team. And that's Seattle now, if you're if you ask me. Well, I don't know if this was just simply brought up because of this, but on the broadcast the other day, I think they said Chan Marshall is their MVP, and if he's your MVP, you must be a pretty dull team. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're sending they're sending those balls in the box, and Chad Marshall's coming away with them. And yeah, man, that guy's been around forever. Good for him. Yeah, <laughs> good for working. him. Yeah, whatever. Good for him. Somebody needs to chop him down, Ember Joey. <laughs> okay, so barbecue Bob. So hypothetically, if you just want to like, if 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 we were going below the belt and we were not a team of, of good moral standing as we are, and you were Peter Vermees and you just had a bad day, you're just sick of it. If you just want to send somebody, just take some player out. <laughs> if you just wanted to, some, who do you tap in the sporting 18? Just be like, I want him gone. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Do you trot out like little Jalen Lindsay? He's like, okay, yeah. I guess I'll do whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> two which, things about and which that. player on Seattle do you do it to? Well, that's the thing. Is it Alonzo or is it Marshall or is it both? But, you know, we talked about right back earlier, or left back. Where is Jay Lindsay? But anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm interested to see what his long-term, uh, you know, trajectory is. You know, he he has a maturity. He has, like, a calmness that I like. He brings a lot of things to the table. I don't know that he's that, like, really good player that we got to worry of, like, someone, like, really good snatching him. But... I don't know. He could yeah. be. I'm very curious to see Jalen Lindsay's projection because I think he does so many things well. But it's like, I don't know. I don't I'm, know. I'm just impressed at his like composure and just where yes. the, the, just where he's at right now. I don't. He, he, it's he is hard a delightful to, human being. Hard to necessarily tell where his ceiling is, but yeah, it's. Uh, he, he's a starting right back for Sporting in two years. Yeah, and, and that would not surprise me at all. Um, you know, I feel like Giancarlo, you know, another young guy, is more of that, like, this guy is probably way above where, like, he's going to go somewhere awesome at some time down the line. I feel like he's kind of beyond what sporting's bringing to the table, but I feel like Jalen Lindsay may be that guy who he's very good enough to start for us, but he's not so good that, like, yeah. some academy, like, right. you know. Yeah, they're, they're going to sell Busio for, like, $10 million yeah. or $15 million <laughs> when he's 18. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I I wouldn't doubt that one. When bit. he's 18, so we got 11 more years out of him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is they can't sell him until he's 18 because yeah. he can't go overseas uh, officially until he's 18. Yeah. Um, 
speaking of people that went overseas, EPB hasn't even been playing. Yeah, I mean, he's got like four appearances or something. He over. did briefly. There was a stretch that he was playing, and then, yeah, it trailed off. And wow, did this conversation go from Seattle to something else. <laughs> yeah, I have EPB down on our extra time topics. Okay. But... Yeah, I just one of my goals in every podcast is to try to screw up Cody's plan. <laughs> And sometimes I succeed really well. Yeah, I'm, I'm mad at me if I don't have a plan. So. No, no, no. I don't care. Um, <laughs> if you were going to send that player out there to karate kick or take somebody out at the knee, can we do somebody on the bench and it'd be Dempsey? Oh. <laughs> well, then that wouldn't help anything. Is he playing? <laughs> no, I'm, that's why I said somebody on the bench. Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay, any other Seattle takes? We're going long tonight, I can already tell. Yeah, okay. well. Of course, if they do that, I guess it could be dropping a deuce. <laughs> That's why he said that. That's all he was doing. He was trying yeah. to set that joke up. He's just like, no, no, actually, I just thought of that. Walking out of the room in victory after saying that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure, I have this take about Seattle. If we go there and lose, folks, it's not the end of the season, okay? Yeah, but losing to Seattle's awful. Well, okay, agreed, but yeah, okay. Not as awful as it was for Portland. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think – I don't think uh, as – Dramatic as the sporting fan base can be, I don't think anyone's going to be too panicked at a, at a loss from this game. Oh, you're so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, you're, so naive. you're a fantastic person. Have, have you read the Cauldron <laughs> Facebook page? Okay, hold on. The Cauldron Facebook page is not as bad as it used to that's, be. I know. It that's really like I I had some I had some plans that kind of worked to kind of cut that out a little bit. So okay. it's not as bad as it used to be. But the Twitter's are rife with with shenanigans so you know i can't control everything that's, yeah. that's kind of funny because i said hi to one of the people at sporting that does their social media and after that first win in the four game win streak now they were like oh life is so much better we got to win yeah, yeah. it's it, when you're running those accounts it's hard not like take it personally and like internalize all that all that <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah. Uh, yeah, I do social media for an international soccer app, and any oh, little yeah. thing, I get all of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like to get a free plug in there, Cody? I mean, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah, Foot Mob. Download Foot Mob, guys. It's great well, app. What's up? <laughs> okay, um, let's just go to extra time, because I want to talk about Jimmy Conrad's um, quotes on Michael Bradley. Very interesting. Did I want to do what's first? Predictions for the Seattle game? Or are you yeah, let's do that. Let's We can do predictions. All right, quick predictions. Zach? Zero, zero. Uh, 2-1 Seattle. You're dead to me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, reality. I will go 2-2, but Sporting will score three of those goals. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. He goes that way sometimes. Sporting KC won Seattle zero, and they're going to win it how Seattle seemingly always beats Sporting. With like a late, a late, Winner mm. on a header, an Icopara late winner. Oh, that would make me. I want like an so Icopara like fortieth minute of stoppage time, <laughs> like <laughs> goal, like 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 that RSL thing, like, and... the, like when like the Matt Beastler throw in. Remember the <laughs> the the throw in corner kick that Icopara scored in New York, just because this <laughs> yes. the field is so skinny. He threw yeah. it in. And that it was, was like... the first game against NYCFC, I think. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. there for that. That was fun. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yes, Jimmy Conrad. Had some has some thoughts on Michael Bradley. Thoughts, are pretty strong words. And the U.S. men's national team. I have his full. He went on a podcast. I have his full quote on our blue links from Tuesday. If you want to go look at it, 
But the mm. most inflammatory part to discuss, um, he obviously is not a fan of older players being on the team going forward, and he says, yes, exactly, agreed. Uh, he says, um, you've had a great career for the national team, you've had over 100 caps, but the guy is, and I'm being completely frank here with everybody, he's a super alpha male know-it-all, and we don't need that kind of vibe on this team anymore. And I think you can kind of surmise that, just whether you or have like covered him in the media, I think you can just kind of see that Michael Bradley is that kind of guy and on a on a soccer that's not always bad as a captain of a national that's not always a bad thing but you know you can point to a lot of players who are like that and it's a positive and that's yeah. like what makes them these great competitive players exactly so, and it, now that's completely independently of like michael bradley but just just generally it's interesting you know what when people are doing well what makes them good is heralded as this great thing but then when things aren't going well, then that's why they're garbage. So, But I am definitely not defending Mike Bradley. I think yeah. the U.S. needs to turn a new leaf, and, and I don't know what that leaf is. I don't know what they're doing or if they have a plan. I look forward to that plan whenever they get around to thinking yeah. of one. Well, and to make those comments seem less uh, harsh, he is he does explain that he means by that that he wants to see some of these younger guys, Pulisic, ha- like be forced into that role. If Michael Bradley's there, then everyone's just going to be like, oh, look to him, he's the leader. He wants to see some of these guys be forced into the role and develop this on their own. And that's all understandable. I the get sooner it. the better. Exactly, exactly. And then the other tasty part of this quote, he mentions a former defender who played in the 2014 World Cup that came up to him and uh, – complained to some extent that he couldn't speak to Bradley on the field. He he complained to Jimmy Conrad about this. And how many defenders did they bring to the World Cup that year? I mean, there's only a handful of people it could be, and one of those would indeed be Matt Beesler, who would have a good relationship with Jimmy Conrad. and Exactly. Yeah. Who you would imagine would have conversations like that with him. But, you know. Who's who's to say who that could be? Pure conjecture. But, but. that definitely is like a huge problem if uh, you can kind of see the disconnect that we all saw while watching this team fail to qualify for the World Cup. If that's the case where a defender is coming and you know, saying, I can't talk to the captain of my team, then that's kind of like, oh, so that's why we didn't qualify for the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. I think there's a lot of reasons we didn't qualify for the World Cup. Like what? There's a lot of reasons we didn't qualify for the World Cup. Like what? They were too conceited. They thought that they could go into Trinidad and walk away. Mediocre coaching. Um, there's a lot of factors to it. So it wasn't just Bradley being a super alpha male. Yeah. No, he, he could be, a, like Zach was pointing out, that could be pointed to as a great success, a great factor to your success. Or it could also be pointed to as the reason that everything failed. Just, I mean, you can do that with almost any fact, any trait that goes into winning, though. That could be why you won. That could be why you lost. And I think the other point that should be made here, not that, not necessarily just that, oh, we don't want Michael Bradley. It's that there are a lot of really fun upcoming talent around the globe playing, playing minutes overseas that, honestly, I would rather see anyway. Who cares if we win, you know, within the next year? And honestly, I I don't know why some of these younger guys couldn't perform just as well as Bradley has, like, in the past. So 
And if you want to look at it this way too, and this, well, some people may laugh at this and say, yeah, whatever. But I mean, you know, the MLS kids that are getting to play are performing well. You know, and there <laughs> are various examples. Oh, <laughs> You're right. No, I completely but, agree. you know, I mean, why not? They have to mature at some time, throw them in, and make them learn how to swim. Exactly. Yeah. Call up Cousine. He can do it instead there of Bradley. <laughs> Although an entire nation of people would be very disappointed if the men's national team called up Cousine. He's been in the U.S. system. So... Josh Sargent's at, uh, where is he in Germany? He's at Werder Bremen. Werder Bremen, And yeah. just scored a first goal. It was uh, he, it was with the second team, but okay. he did score over the weekend. Man, I'm excited about that kid. Yeah, another. how about another plug for Cody's side gigs? Uh, <laughs> I, I just did the Yanks Abroad update on Stars and Stripes. Oh, so nice. So check that out, yeah. So he, he scored like a couple weeks ago, but that was like a – Preseason friendly or something? Yes, yes. Okay, so this was his first official goal as a real game. Except, of course, it was for the second team. That's <laughs> still a real goal, though. Yeah, yeah, and it was good. It was a nice goal. I got the highlight on Stars and Stripes if you want to go look at it. It's uh, so well taken. By second team, are they like in Bundesliga 2? Yes, okay. yeah. It's And it's Werder Bremen, Werder Bremen 2. Two. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. Are they in 2 or 3? I think it's in 2. Because some of those, some of them are in 3, I think, in Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. It looked, uh, it looked, I think it was the second Oh, man, I went to Germany in March and saw a Bundesliga 2 game between uh, Dynamo Dresden. Oh, you bastard. And, uh, yeah, in Dresden. It was, it was so it And that's was kind so of like a, that's like a known environment to go see in Dresden. Yeah, and it was neat. And it was kind of like a late edition. It, it ended up coming up in the schedule. And it was, I mean, I went to Borussia Dortmund and then saw a game in Berlin. But honestly, the game in Dresden was as enjoyable as anything. It was just a very cool nice. you atmosphere. See, did you get to see Pulisic play? Uh, yes, I saw a Pulisic cyst right in front of me. Oh. It, was, it was pretty. Yeah, it was a pretty. It's me. I mean, aside from going and going to the trip, the the games themselves were very cool and just kind of neat to see like a, another atmosphere and you know some, yeah, that's some awesome. top level stuff. Yeah. Talking about the national team and calling up the kids, I would love to see on a twenty three man roster, twenty of them be absolutely the young players, but calling in one or two of the older players who could just kind of give them a little bit of you know <laughs> but not the uh, not the super alpha male i was about to say asshole so i, <laughs> I pulled back and didn't say the super asshole bradley um <clears throat> so but i mean maybe the guys like beesler or zussi who are going to just be mentors not competing for the spot so much just there for a little bit of seasoning you know what i mean well hearing about this you know maybe it's beesler maybe it's whoever and talking about this jimmy conrad makes me think you know cody do you have any tips on talking to Thad that you can think of for me? Because I, I feel you like sometimes it's difficult. To... You are so not the first person to say that. <laughs> You've gotten that feedback before? <laughs> uh, but speaking of young players getting called up, our very own, the Lee Summit native EPB, Eric Palmer Brown, at least well, there's nothing from U.S. soccer yet, but his team... NAC Breda in Belgium. Oh God, I just forgot. <laughs> Belgium, Netherlands, no. Netherlands, Netherlands. Um, yeah, they confirmed that he has been called up. So good for him. Goalie Summit on Reddit. Don't look at Reddit comments because people aren't happy that he's been called up on Reddit because he's not playing. Right. Even though he still is going to be better than. Yeah. Yeah, I I I still think EPB has got to be a guy they're looking at going forward. I'm not sure what's going on there with. NAC, but 
and that's what that's why I commented earlier about he hadn't been playing. I don't know what's going on there. Um, with EBB, I mean, it could be any number of things. He could have had just a minor knock, because that guy is he's every time he's really had opportunity to like break into Sporting's lineup, he was injured. I know coming I know. back from. U twenty World Cup, U eighteen World Cup, whatever it was. Let me like tell you about watching that man start on that three man back line when I went to Chicago <laughs> back oh, the, in the day. The red card, the yeah, the like yeah. the the red wedding oh, sporting yeah. game. Oh man, I do. <laughs> and that that is and and I am totally that is not a I'm not even slamming him. I just I'd forgotten about it until yeah. we started talking about this. He was oh, the yeah. only center back on the roster. That, that poor guy. Yeah, that <laughs> and, and I just remember because you know what it feels really good to talk crap on fans the same people who are listening i'm gonna go ahead and do that i just remember people are like you know this is just we don't have enough death we need more death we're gonna be a successful team i was like name i will give you 50 dollars without google if you can name the sixth the 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 fourth cornerback on any other team anybody <laughs> i will i will right. give you anything right now is that how that works yeah. i know and that's that's what sporty got killed with this year is the two or three of the guys who were counted on for being depth for a lot of positions, Madranda, because he can play the left back, he could play the eight, the ten, a winger. Um, they went down. Gutierrez, who can play a eight or a ten. Uh, Lobato, who can play. And he has to be mentioned. <coughs> Brad Evans. <laughs> Brad Evans. <laughs> I'm talking about people who are actually being counted on. <laughs> right. Evans was only ever meant to like play one game. Yeah, see, I, 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 yeah, I guess I don't care about that because it didn't. I mean, we're not. There's nothing we're not doing, or can't do because it's like, hey, we'll have Brad Evans around. Yeah. He seems to like or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Brad Evans signing has hindered any other work. Being done. <laughs> no, it didn't prevent them from doing anything else. Yeah, if they had signed somebody other than Evans, it would have been some. Fourth string journeyman, you know. It would have been some guy that I'm like, I need to go to Wikipedia now. <laughs> so, I again, I've kind of defended the whole Evan signing multiple times on here until I saw the damn ride with Nate thing. Yeah. Okay, so Graham Smith, what's happened to him since that one game? Anyway. Yeah, he yeah, was, that's a he great was question. The, Speaking he, of Miliano, about Graham, they were the two players. I thought we all landed on it. They were the two players. Yeah. That, that yeah. he ousted. He's been with that's Swell what Park. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's been with Swell Park. Uh huh. Exactly. He hasn't. He he's probably the guy that's given the opportunity to maybe play his way out of that doghouse by going down to Swell sure, Park. Sure, sure, of course. And um, two games ago, he was uh, suspended for card accumulation, so he didn't play. Mm, yeah. But this last weekend, he played for the Rangers, and they went down to San Antonio and got a two-one result. Their first yeah. win in several games, but yeah. So he did okay. I mean, sure. I, I didn't watch. No, the I game wasn't dogging enough. on him. I was just saying, you know. All right. I, asked, I answered. <laughs> I think we've uh, uh, talked about everything we needed to. What's our time? We're well over an hour here. Okay. But Zach, thank you so much for coming, guys. I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. Uh, let's do this again sometime. Yes, and you said it. So I'm, we're gonna make it happen. Yeah, and this then, is kind of like getting him on loan. <laughs> yeah, I'm on loan. I'm I'm getting some good quality minutes. I've been on the bench. Uh, and well, where are you back with more whiskey? Yes. Well, yeah, we'll have more whiskey. And you didn't I, drink enough. I know. I'll work on that next time. <laughs> I'll work on that next time. By the way, Bob brought whiskey, and it's an interesting variety here. Yeah, it's a it's a you know those like snack packs when you were a kid. There was like all kinds of different cereals. <laughs> it's the adult alcoholic version. Well, of that. what I like is there's like 
Do we need hard, to advertise? Like, there's like hard, real man whiskey here, but then there's also one with apple. It's, it's apple. So I will, what are you drinking, Cody? I'm drinking the apple. <laughs> I will shout out if, uh, you know, follow the cauldron, be yeah. involved in the cauldron, come out to our tailgates, have a good time. If you haven't been, if you are in other places in the stadium, we still love you, but come enjoy a game there as well. We welcome everybody. And I wanted to shout out, uh, someone want to shout out, my buddy and officer out of Blue Springs, Chris McCoy. He says, I'm going to listen to this. I want to shout yeah. out. So I got you, Chris. I love you. Buddy. There we go. We got one listener this mm-hmm. week. And hey, I'm a paying <laughs> Cauldron member. Yeah, so. yeah I know. I love Who's that. Who's paying members in this, uh, in this studio? It's more of a donation at this point. Absolutely. Me neither. It's so far. Honestly, I, w- I would love to go every game. But You're not wrong. But where we park, we park on the opposite corner, like on the Cauldron entrance side. You're going to have to walk all the way around the stadium. Then you're going to walk all... Oh, it, just, it kills me. Anyway, not complaining. Thank you, Zach. Hey, thank you guys for sharing. Yes, until next time. Uh, we'll talk to you next week after Sporting's fifth win in a row and ending another streak. Bring uh, back Sunil Chetri. Yes. <laughs> go Sporting. Just been sent off Some part of strong and all comes off like fun for tanks Got me drinking My fun for tanks Got me drinking My fun for tanks Got me drinking Give me a whiskey When a gin Anything to shake This what I'm in My fun for tanks Got me drinking My fun for tanks Got me drinking my fun for tanks got me drinking